Hey, and welcome to another episode of Digital Noir Presents, a podcast loosely based around life in a digital studio. I'm your host, Sam, and I've got my co-host with me, Nicholas Bozic. Hi. And today we're having a chat to Nicole Henderson, who's got a really cool local startup here in Adelaide called Plate. Enjoy. <laughs> oh, cheers for coming down, Nicole. It's great to have you here. That's okay. Thanks for having me. Not it's a problem at all. Him. How you doing, Nick? Good, thank you. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Good. Cool. So, uh, obviously, wanted to have a chat today about Plate, um, the startup that you're that you're running. Yep. Um, but also just keen to hear about you know, sort of life in general in the startup world and yeah, the crazy, the crazy, crazy world of startups. Yeah. <laughs> but I suppose to kick off, yeah, let us know a bit more about what Plate is. Sure. Yeah. Plate is, well, we're essentially a food technology um, company. Um, We're basically focused on um, creating shopping lists from recipes. So creating shopping experiences directly from recipes themselves. So um, we use artificial intelligence technology to automatically convert the ingredients in a recipe into a customizable shopping list. Um, So we're also integrating with Woolworths. So um, Woolworths will deliver the ingredients direct to the consumer so the um by home delivery or they can pick it up from their local store cool so that's it in a nutshell Mm -hmm. that's that's the the very beginning of of what we sort of see with plate nice i mean i've heard the uh the sort of the story you know the founder story of how you came up with the idea and and obviously the same idea was sort of happening in in tandem in adelaide and you've teamed up with jason to to kick it off yeah pretty crazy actually Mm. it was about three and a half years ago so um i guess for me it's all it's this idea has been sort of bubbling away for for that amount of time so um yeah i it was it really started with a problem that i was solving for myself i used to like to you know do a cook-up at the beginning of the week always like to cook with recipes um i'm not the best cook so always following a guide is the best way um but you know combined with working you know really long long hours in sydney and you know the battle to the supermarket um in in, because sydney is really busy and it's not always easy just to get to a supermarket I had um, on numerous occasions forgotten ingredients for my shopping list and it's a bit of a pain while you're, you know, trying to put something together and you're tearing your hair out just thinking, you know, surely with technology these days there has to be a better way. So that was um, before a lot of the, you know, food boxes came up and I just thought I just want to be able to find any recipe I want, click a button and have the ingredients delivered to my door. So that's what sort of started um, the idea for me and then I um, went on a bit of a journey of finding and doing a lot of research about the industry and the market um, through a university degree Mm -hmm. um, which is focused on innovation and entrepreneurship. So I really use that as a platform to kind of build my network in the in the industry and that's when I was introduced to Jason my business partner who was working on um, a similar thing but his idea was to take a photo of the ingredients in a cookbook and then the convert the ingredients into a shopping list and he was already talking to Woolworths so yeah it was a it was an ideal partnership really when you had the idea and obviously so you went into a university sort of um 
course to, I suppose, learn more about how do you get something like this up off the ground. But you didn't have any... I had no idea. I mean, I was from... I grew up in Canberra and worked for government. Um, I worked, um, you know, for financial services and investment companies. Mm -hmm. So my background was very much in government and corporate. And I knew no one who, you know, had started, you know, a business like this or knew not really anything about tech or even marketing at that (laughs) point, really. So I just kind of had this idea and I didn't have a degree at the time anyway and I thought well you know it'd be good to tick that box I may as well do it something that I'm interested in and passionate about and I'll see where it takes me and so yeah I guess I just stayed pretty focused on it um, over the two years that I was studying and um, you know hustled my way around Adelaide and tried to you know figure out how to make this happen and um, you know to start uh, I guess I was contemplating the idea of the mill boxes but requires huge amounts of capital to do Mm. that sort of thing because they basically you know create the entire you know logistical system and yeah and the logistics becomes very a nightmare and and expensive absolutely so when I kind of found out that there was the technology available to integrate with the supermarkets who were already doing the logistical aspect um, that seemed like the sort of feasible solution for me to kind of go down and also addressed my primary concern about you know being able to choose what you want to eat yep uh, I had sort of experimented with the meal boxes and found it quite frustrating because you know I have specific dietary requirements that I you know I couldn't meet um, you know using the meal boxes because mm-hmm. you'd basically get given food to eat for the week and that just didn't really suit me and I know there's thousands of people out there who you know share the same sort of sentiment because people have issues with yeah. foods and we have our own different tastes and preferences yeah. and it doesn't give you much room to experiment then as well it's sort of you know absolutely the, what's the american one blue apron yeah blue apron, blue apron one, and yeah, that's the hello fresh yeah um yeah they're sort of i mean they're Amazon good for, i suppose well. that next level person that really doesn't want to think about it at all exactly but if, you, if you like browsing recipes and you sort of want to try something out then exactly so that sort of uh, that sort of suited my profile and yeah. um that's why i became yeah pretty passionate about it and when i found out you know that we could actually generate a shopping list directly from a cookbook i was pretty blown away by that um sure. woolies was also pretty blown away by that as well so cool. um that's sort of what enabled us to get to that next stage to work with woolies mm-hmm. you know um in partnership with them so we have an exclusive contract with right. them so um yeah look Looking forward to kind of seeing where that takes us and working with Woolies to kind of start to grow grow the business here in Australia. And so what stage is it at right now? Pretty early stage. So we've done a bit of a soft launch um, with our, within our network. Um, so we're sort of testing our core technology, which is the online technology at the moment. Sure. So working on refining the process of, um, you know, interpreting the ingredients and coming up with, um, you know, uh, the, the appropriate items to match those ingredients because you have to look at things like quantities and sure you know um treatments of the ingredients as well as the preparation of the ingredient to determine what product might best suit um that ingredient so there's a lot of work that's involved yeah, in sure. that still, but yeah, you know tweaking. it'll be yeah that'll yeah. be a continuous thing that we work with because obviously we're also dependent on woolies as well and mm-hmm. the information that we we get from Woolworths to yeah. be able to refine and optimize those results so with those results like let's say i'm cooking a curry or something and i get fish sauce and and woolies have got seven you know skews of fish sauce on the shelf 
how does it know which one to pick and, and quantity? Is, that, is it giving you one at the moment or is it...? it yes, yeah, so it will return um, the most... I think at the moment we're using the most suited sort of match, sure. so mm-hmm. it'll just be the, probably the, the most popular match. one. Yeah, sure. Um, which isn't always the best result. Sure. So we're mm-hmm. trying to work on how we kind of get around that and create a, an even more tailored or customised um, search result so that we get... It the better results yep. so um over time though that will enable us to start working with brands um sure. so that we can actually sponsor search results yep. for brands so if you're cooking you know a a cake and um you know we have a, a sponsorship arrangement with white wings for example sure. we'll always get their products um matched first so at the moment it's sort of more by popularity than by brand okay so something that I think is quite interesting, so when we're basically at a pre-launch stage still and you're saying sort of three and a half years ago you've had the idea and you've gone and done a university degree around it. I mean, these kind of ideas don't happen overnight, do they? Absolutely. So kind and of you kind of just all of a sudden hear, um, you know, these ideas and these success stories and you kind of assume that it's just something that's just happened overnight. But, you know, you, you really don't know um, the journey that has gone on to get to that point in time um and you know when you look further into it uh and hear the stories of founders you kind of realize that it really is like a 10-year journey usually at least and there's usually you know failures and issues and yeah nightmares along the way (laughs) (laughs) and i'm sure you've had a few of those yeah uh, (laughs) absolutely (laughs) you do question your sanity um quite a lot um but you know when you get Um, then you kind of go on this, you know, you have this big explosion of, you know, successes and, you know, um, big wins. You know, we won a $50,000 competitive grant, which really helped us in the early days. Um, You know, and that also helps with, you know, um, you know, media opportunities. So lots of different things spiral out of those opportunities. It's just a matter of kind of putting yourself out there and um, being open to any of the opportunities that can help you move forward. And you really have to do that, don't you? Like, I think, a lot of founders don't appreciate one how much time they're going to have to put in how much sweat they're going to have to put in and and also sort of going outside of the box and 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 trying new things and and being able to pivot too so things might change and you know exactly the the product you're working on might not be what you had initially anticipated yeah well for me I think I I really had quite a clear vision from the very beginning as to what I thought the product should look like because I was thinking about it from the end user's perspective Um, but as we sort of started along the journey and when we started planning how to kind of build um, the tech and you know, you kind of realise that any feature um, that there is in in this tech costs time and money. And so you really have to strip it bare and work out what is the core fundamental tech that you need to get it off the ground and get people using it and then kind of add add the list of features that you want from there. So it's kind of coming back to what I wanted it to do. Um, But it's taken, you know, probably mm, about seven on... Yeah, seven or eight months of like development time to get it there. So, and we'll be looking at launching um, hopefully um, towards the end of February more publicly. So, for consumer use. Cool. That's mm. really exciting. Yeah. So, that's a big 2018 for Absolutely. For yeah. Lots of, lots of cool things in, in mind in terms of, you know, what we do and how we get there. But um, yeah, at this stage, it's just sort of refining the tech and making it a little bit 
better and more usable for consumer consumption. Has the soft launch been important in terms of getting out there in some people's hands and actually using it? Yeah, absolutely. And just, um, you know, testing your assumptions on what's important for the user as well. Sure. Um, I do have a very consumer-focused lens when I look at the tech, whereas my business partners obviously look at it from the more technical side. So we have had a pretty good balance, um, you know, within the team. But certainly, you know, you can only, um, you know, assume certain things are important to people and different things are important to different people. So, yeah, going out and getting that feedback has important for in terms of how we prioritise our development. Because people often say that you should have sort of a a tech co-founder, but I think it's actually really important to have someone that's consumer-focused too because I've seen startups which have been too tech-oriented and then sort of forgotten what the actual end goal is, which is to make users happier. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, that's probably um, the biggest challenge is trying to, I guess for me, just learning that, tech's not that easy and you know all too often you know as a consumer we try something and you know it seems like it should be easy so from my point of view it's been like oh yeah this should be easy and the tech guys are like oh it's not actually that easy and (laughs) you kind of underestimate how hard it is to get there really Mm. And ultimately, though, the uh, you know the tech is just a tool to solve the problem, right? So yeah, I guess guess the the um, the idea that solves the problem is probably more important than absolutely in the end. Absolutely. And sometimes refining the problem as simple as it may be um, and trying to, you know, articulate what the problem actually is can be a challenge as well as a founder and sort of refining the way that you communicate and explain your business and working out, you know, who your customer is versus, you know, who your actual user is. Um, is also a bit of a challenge but you know we've identified um, you know I I guess a couple of different segments in terms of um, you know who the tech can benefit Um, and certainly it goes past just being something that makes it easy for people to to cook meals so that's sort of the consumer side Um, but uh, you know also for for recipe publishers so our solution is very much based on aggregating um, existing recipe content that is online Mm -hmm. and being able to drive traffic back to those sites Um, so we actually view the entire recipe on our platform but Mm -hmm. we just generate the shopping list outside of that within plate and then we store the recipes on the, their plate profile so then when the ingredients get delivered to the consumer they can just go back to plate click on the recipe it takes them back to the recipe source so cool. so very much sort of that um, driving value for recipe publishers it's very difficult for them to monetize content so mm-hmm. we're looking at ways that we can as we build you know our user base you know share some revenue um, with the publishers as well do they have to come on board or is this sort of api publicly available for the like recipe publishers? Yeah, so initially we'll probably start working with local publishers and we'll try to work with them um, to bring them on board. Um, so until we sort of work out a process that is probably more open. Sure. Um, but we are looking at kind of working with publishers on a bit of a subscription basis as well where yep. we'll be able to embed some um, a button essentially onto their website sure. that so that you know any of their audience who visits their site you know they can see a button that says you know don't have time to go to the store get this delivered tomorrow Mm -hmm. kind of thing Um, and that's how we'll then be able to share revenue with with the publishers Mm -hmm. so that will definitely require them to kind of subscribe sure how important was it getting sort of a a big 
like corporate partner or commercial partner like Woolies on board early? Yeah, fundamental. Yeah. Our entire um, business model really depends on that so that we're not, you know, creating that entire logistics network. Um, so we, we really wanted to try and remain, a, a, you know, a tech company yep. as opposed to a logistics company or a supermarket online supermarkets so yeah we're it allows us to kind of fit into the ecosystem as that tech sort of solution and my passion is very much around you know nutrition and eating healthy so I'm keen to look at um, exploring you know that that industry and how we can provide the technology that enables them to deliver you know meal plans and um, suitable recipes to their clients mm-hmm. um, that they can easily kind of prepare at home so yeah that's that's a little bit further down the line because obviously sure. we have to refine the tech for it to be you know dietary specific as well um, but yeah definitely something that I'm keen to sort of focus on from a marketing angle I mean it's a, it's a nice place to be plate in general i mean it's a it's a food's a fun place to to talk to people and people are passionate about it so absolutely there's a lot you can talk about yeah yeah it's true i um well yeah i I love food i love wine i love lots of you know i love the market so it's it has definitely been um a great industry to be uh in and just certainly just talking to um people and how passionate they are about food and you know you know helping people um to recreate food experiences and and the food that they're delivering um yeah it's great have you had a look at it yet nick i have actually um also i noticed that it's a website at the moment so was there a reason that you didn't actually create an app like like a native yeah app so we iPhone started or? mobile web we were going to start with an app yeah um but when i did some analysis of our target market spoke mm-hmm. to a couple of friends um and i kind of realized that to go straight to an app where we're losing a huge huge part of our target market so i imagine that people can be at work on their desktop mm-hmm. um you know and they're kind of browsing for information and they think crap i haven't you know bought anything for dinner tonight mm-hmm. and they can use their desktop to um order order their dinner for tonight because mm-hmm. um, if they order by 11 a.m um yeah. they can pick it up from their local store or have it delivered that evening okay. so i think if we were to go app first and mm-hmm. not have that mobile uh, sorry web presence mm-hmm. we would have lost a huge amount a huge market and the way i kind of see apps is you know i only really download them if i've used it if you i've used their online already and i think that you know i'll get a better experience from the app so sure. yeah and i think i mean it's often a good way to go web first. you have to build the back end anyway and you're going to need a desktop version so. exactly well we've designed the entire system to be it's like an app experience yep. on the mobile. So it kind of feels like an app, right, right. but it's built mm-hmm. um, on the web. Okay. So we can do pretty much everything we need it to do um, using the web interface. Yeah, sure. Okay. And coming over from Canberra originally and then, and then Sydney to, to Adelaide and, and, and being sort of in the sort of startup ecosystem here, what, how, is, how does it compare to Sydney? I know you weren't sort of I wasn't really, in the same industry. Yeah, in that industry in Sydney. I know, I mean, it's, it's massive in Sydney as well. But from what I gather, because it's quite an intimate 
ecosystem here in Adelaide. It's a very supportive network and, you know, everyone um, is looking out for everybody else and everyone else is willing to help and get involved um, because people just want to see success generally come out of Adelaide and it's it's not as competitive, I sure. think, whereas... I think the the culture in Sydney, it's a very competitive, um, you know, industry in general, not just in the startup space, but it's just a competitive place. So, but there is obviously a lot of opportunity, a lot of investor funds um, in Sydney. So it is a little bit harder in Adelaide because it's a slightly more conservative market with very specific industries. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I've found it to be really supportive in general. I've certainly... um, you know, leveraged off the university's networks. Sure. Um, I'm involved in the Uni of Adelaide's Think Lab incubator okay. program, which is actually how I met Jason. So yeah. um, one of our mentors actually, we were doing a bit of a speed dating session pitching our idea and one of my mentors said, stop right there, it's already being done here in Adelaide. So <laughs> that was that was actually how I met Jason. Um, also part of Uni SA's um, uh, Venture Catalyst program as sure. well. So they have a bit of an incubator space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, yeah, getting involved in a lot of the industry events. Um, it, it's sort of, yeah, I think it's it's just really supportive and very inclusive. So, yeah. I think that's good advice if you if you do have an idea, even if it's early stages, to get out there and you know start seeing what's happening out there and start talking to people. I think people are often because obviously um, you know we talk to a lot of really early ideas, so app ideas or a web app idea, but people are really cagey one about the idea and two haven't really gone out there and seen you know what's the reality of this situation. Absolutely, I remember before I'd um, even. Before I'd even sort of started it, when it was certainly just an idea, um, I wouldn't speak to agencies about it because, you know, you just see agencies as, you know, they've got the capability and how do you know that they're not just going to steal your idea and work on it yourself? So it definitely is a fear of founders. Um, So, but I mean, I learned very quickly that if I was not going to be talking about my idea, I wasn't going to move forward with the Mm -hmm. idea because the more people you talk to, the more people that they can recommend mm-hmm. uh, and you just build your network based around your idea. Sure. Um, and so you get introduced to people who can help you to move that forward. And I think, you know, the, the idea is obviously critical, but, you know, like you sort of found, like people have the same ideas all over the place mm-hmm. and people are running with those. It's really the execution that counts and, you know, how deep you can go into it and, and how you can, you know, what the end product's actually going to be like. Absolutely. Which is, which is a, a journey. It definitely is. I mean... As I said before, I had no idea that you could take a photo of something and then make it digital. Um, So it's very important to surround yourself with people that know more than you about what you need to achieve. So for me, it's definitely been very much about building that network. We've got a pretty good board of advisors Mm -hmm. as well. So um, the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer for Uber is is on our board. Um, So he provides a lot of insight into the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, We've also got a... um, uh, managing director of a meat supplier who's they supply meat products to Woolworths okay. so they provide really good insights as well into that industry and and we're probably looking to get more people like that on board to really guide us because you know things like you have to start 
thinking about pricing and, and how to get in with, you know, if you're doing business to business transactions, how to get in and meet people and, and pitch your idea then not sure. just to, you know, venture capitalists, but now you're pitching your product and your solution to a business and mm-hmm. trying to get them to, to buy it. So it just becomes, it's very much, um, it's like, it's a phased approach really. Sure. How did you go about setting up the advisory board? Um, just really through connections. Jace, my business partner, did have, he's been sort of doing work in this space for quite some time, sure. being, uh, you know, running a digital agency and having a few of his own little kind of businesses yep. on the side. So he was like obviously a great place to start, but also just through the uni's um, networks as well. Cool. So I have a range of mentors um, just through those programs. Um, and also just kind of reaching out to people. Um, some people uh, are quite open to, you know, meeting up with people. Uh, if they've been successful, um, they like to then share their success with others to help others become successful. So it's very much sometimes, you know, just going on LinkedIn and, you know, sending a friendly kind of, you know, note to say hi. You know, I'd love it's, to catch it's surprising up. surprising how often people respond and how, yeah, how generous you know, business owners are with their time. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's what's been so good about Adelaide um, because people are very open to that and probably life is a bit easier here and so people aren't as overwhelmed sure. um, and as busy and probably have more capacity to help mm-hmm. people. L- less commute. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I commute two minutes walk to work. It's very handy. Absolutely not. <laughs> you have any questions? Yeah, um, yeah. Just going through like the the startup process. So, I mean, as you mentioned, it's quite a long journey, right? As you know, from forming the idea and then actually getting off the ground. Um, what what's your advice on you know keeping like the passion alive for your project because you know my you know me personally I have a lot of projects that float around that never get finished yeah yeah so I mean a what, lot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably one thing that I have learned is it's really important to be passionate about your idea or you yeah your idea because. Without that passion, you'll definitely lose the drive and motivation because there are a lot of roadblocks, setbacks. Um, there's emotional hurdles to get over. Um, so you do need that that passion and mm-hmm. that drive. I don't really know where it came from yeah. for me. It was just an intrinsic, you know, crazy thing. I actually call it um, – oh, my gosh, I've had a mental blank um, – sorry (laughs) I think my mind was going somewhere else um but also don't be too obsessed with your idea you know because you need to make smart decisions along the way and I think sometimes because you're so passionate about something you just want to see it succeed and you'll do anything to get there Mm -hmm. um but also make sure that you kind of proceed with caution as well so um, you know, just taking time to consider what your options are rather yeah. than diving in head first and making sure that, you know, you have suitable agreements and things in place, um, you know, to move forward. So sure. stuff like that is just, yeah, stay, stay fa- passionate, stay focused. Mm-hmm. I think for me, focus has been the biggest thing. Right. If I had have, you know, gone back to work and worked full time whilst trying to do this on the side, I probably would have fairly easily mm-hmm. lost focus. Yeah. But because it was my number one priority, mm-hmm. I was able to kind of keep that passion alive. But that's probably my biggest word of advice is just be cautious. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, you, it seems that you've done it in an intelligent way, and that you went all in, which I think is kind of important. I, mean, I did the same thing when I started my business; like I quit my job and I went right. This yeah. is this is the path. But I also, you know, I, I didn't take out a bank loan, and I, 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 I sort of, you know, was uh, I suppose conservative in my own personal funds yes. that I put into the yeah, business. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was very much the same. Actually, that was the word I was looking for before, ignorance. <laughs> I don't know if it's passion or ignorance that drives you forward. I think looking back, it's definitely ignorance. But um, yeah, definitely I was pretty conservative about that. I, um, you know, saw my time very much as what I was investing. Sure. So I, I didn't make money for sort of seven and a half months and that was a huge... Um, financial challenge mm. for me it certainly taught you to appreciate things uh, a lot sure. um, but you know I also then worked out creative ways of how to get funding so that I could eventually take some money through mm. the business as well to support myself because you know it is important to be able to support yourself and investors yeah. and uh, they do understand that so it's just about disclosing that you will be taking some funding yep. um and yeah sort of finding finding those um there's heaps of options for financing a business but yeah, yeah i'm not sure debt is um the best way for a startup i don't think it's i think it's pretty hard to get you know a loan for a startup as yeah. well so uh, i mean the the climate of a sort of capital investment here in Australia that people are, you know, risk averse in general. I mean, let alone a bank. But I mean, even going to a, you know, an angel investor here in Australia, they're, they're not really just throwing out money. Um, no, they're certainly as, not as they do in America. Yeah, they're certainly less not. Less so. I think um, the way we did it because we were so early stage. Um, we basically formed a syndicate group of investors. So, um, you know, people with money were able to put a small amount um, on the table. So they were still taking a punt and they they recognised that it's a risk, but it wasn't going to really, you know, hurt them or damage them them if they didn't get that that money back. So that's the way that we sort of did it for our first um, very early stage round. And and it's certainly once you get the first investor on board, um, it's really easy to find investors after that to kind of go into it because you know, they have the security of knowing that someone else thinks it's a good idea. (laughs) So, you know, they're, they're, they're happy to sort of jump in as well. And as you mentioned um, previously, you've had some success with, with grant funding and and some sort of competition based funding as well. Yeah, exactly. And, and just before I move on from the investor funds, I I will also mention that our board advisors are invested into the business as well. So it was very much a matter of kind of selling the idea to them getting them to invest and then obviously they want to see the success of the business and so they're happy to contribute their their advice and their knowledge and their wisdom into the business as well so but yeah grants are amazing obviously because um you know there are it's it's a big application process usually so if it's competitive there's usually about three stages where you know you submit your initial application you usually do a pitch video then you do a business plan and then you have to pitch to a panel of investors. So every time you apply for something, you have to rewrite these things. And so it is time consuming, but just make sure you do your research and find out the grants and opportunities that sort of suit your business, depending on what space you're in and just go for it. Because, yeah, the government's certainly um, doing all they can to sort of support the startup and innovation space. How do you find the pitching? I've gotten used to it. I used to hate public speaking. So um, uni was great for that. Um, My degree was very much focused around um, all the kind of activities you would do in a startup and pitching was a a main one of that. So, um, you know, 
after coming out of uni, I'd already pitched probably about five times and I'd pitched in front of 500 people. I'd done a, you know, a one minute pitch. I'd done um, two panel sort of um, pitches as well. So that was, that was great experience for me, kind of. It is one of those things that gets easier each time you do it. It is, it is, because you put a lot of time into preparing for the pitch um, and planning what you want to say. You have a very limited amount of time to get the message across. So you really do need to put a lot of thought and preparation into it and practice and practice and practice and that's that's what I do um, because otherwise I get like I just go into freeze mode and panic and can't remember <laughs> what I'm going to say so as if I'm if I'm prepared then I'm yeah I'm usually pretty confident you had a big pitch once didn't you Nick yeah um, I was me and a friend of mine we had an idea for an app and we went to pitch it at this um, what do you call those like uh, like what do you call it? ink ink um, incubator incubator yeah, incubators, yeah, one of yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah, and um, one of the one of the judges or the people who was in invest, Thailand, yeah, yeah, it was, it was it was back when I was in Bangkok. Um, one of the judges was, I think, he was like uh, like an owner of Groupon or something like that. So it was pretty intense. Wow. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was it was a really good experience. Yeah. It's good. It gets you thinking about your business in ways that you may not have thought of before, mm-hmm. and in ways that is important to somebody who is going to invest so it's probably advisable to do a lot of those sort of you know weekend competition startup competitions or Mm -hmm. get involved in incubators or you know do courses around that stuff to really prepare you for the kind of questions that they will ask you and the things that they are interested Mm in Um, because then when you actually are going to raise some real funds, um, you know, you have those questions ready to be answered. It makes you play devil's advocate a bit as well because I think a lot of founders are so passionate about their project and they have blinkers on a little bit. Absolutely. um, You know, especially around uh, like projections and and business models, you know, it's it's all good to have a a great business plan with huge projections but the first thing investors are going to do is look at the numbers and... Yeah, and I hate projections though. I'm so uncomfortable with them because (laughs) it's all assumptions based and it it's literally you can tweak the numbers to how you want them to be, you sure. know. I guess it's it's important for working out your business model and stuff like that, but yeah, it scares me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way that's the way it's done. Um yep. and you do, you have to be, you know, you have to at least be able to justify uh, and explain your assumptions yeah. and your key metrics. Mm-hmm. So that's how we set up our forecasts is based around a set of assumptions and then we, we can tweak those assumptions as we go along. So we can see if we're not performing in an area that we thought we would be, how that will affect the numbers and what we need to do you know, to, to counteract that and get us back on, on base. And so. I think from an investor's perspective, if you, know, if you, if you have that... Uh that view of it and you say well these are the numbers based on this but they could change and you know absolutely and we kind of just give it to them and say you feel free to you know tinker with the numbers and see how that affects the forecast they can be higher if you want yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) just give us more money to invest in more aggressive marketing and (laughs) is that i mean is that a big part of pitching you know having a solid um, kind of business model behind your idea or yeah yes and no mm-hmm. it depends what stage you're at yeah. I think for us it was sort of because it was a bit conceptual um, you know people know that the numbers aren't real yeah um, so they don't put a huge amount of emphasis on it mm-hmm. but what they do want to know is you know what are your source of sources of income or revenue mm-hmm. and what what are your outgoings and how you know how does that 
work as you start to you know build customers what how much does it cost to to get a new customer Mm -hmm. and how much are they going to you know bring to you over the lifetime of that customer so it's sort of working out those kind of things that's more important Mm -hmm. than the actual numbers themselves i think but again as you get to you know more sophisticated investors they probably want to know a lot more detail around you know how you got to those numbers Mm -hmm. and yeah so we're sort of looking at that at the moment and how to sort of work in a little bit more detail around that and as we kind of launch and grow um, you know, how we can have really good, um, you know, tracking and processes and review of, of the financial model as well. Yeah. Cool. So what is the plan for launch then? So February or early 2018 launch and then just a, a soft launch initially or you go out fairly hard? Um, yeah, I think by the time we kind of go um, live on plate.com, mm-hmm. we'll be ready to kind of go out um, pretty hard. So obviously, Woolworths um, deliver nationally. So um, we'll just have to look at ways to get out there in the media, I would imagine, initially to get, um, you know, good visibility. Um, Working with uh, online, sort of online channels as well, Mm -hmm. how we can kind of utilise their um, audience to kind of, you know, build brand awareness um, about what Plate is. So, um, and yeah, obviously working with the publishers as well. So, um, incentivising them to... Um, you know, share... Spread the good word. Exactly. And so that then obviously that would then create value for them as well. So, yeah, that's the plan. Awesome. Oh, nice. Looking forward to the uh, to the release. We'll put something up when it comes up. So it's P-L-A-Y-T. Yes, com. Plate. Yep. P-L-A-Y-T. Not Platy. <laughs> <laughs> when we won the um, the grant, we got Platy and Platy. congratulations, Platy. And we all looked at each other. Uh, oh, is that us? <laughs> so yeah, probably got to do a little bit of um, work around the pronunciation of Plate. <laughs> We're very used to that without business name. <laughs> yeah. Dig- digital Noir. Really, <laughs> really. Okay, people, that, people that have, is not your fault. People have problems pronouncing Noir for sure. <laughs> Nori, Nori, Nori. Right. <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much for coming down. That's okay. Pleasure. Thanks so Thank much you. for having me. That was no fun. Worries. Cool.